Let's look into the book of 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1. I love these books that God used a fisherman to write. You know, when, when you think about 1 Peter, he dealt a lot with suffering that goes on in a Christian's life. And that's the majority of what you'll find in the book of 1 Peter. In the book of 2 Peter, toward the middle of the book, you will find a, a lot of warning concerning false prophets and teachers. And then the last part of 2 Peter is going to be speaking of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then back in the first part of 2 Peter, where we're going to be tonight, you, you can't help but see some, some really wonderful things here. This is really good stuff, really encouraging stuff in the beginning of 2 Peter. And we're going to talk about the generosity of our Lord that He is amazingly generous to all of us with many blessings. And we're going to dive right into it, and we're going to pass up the opening salutations here, the opening greetings, and we're going to pick up in verse 3, and I would like us to take a look at the large hand that gives. The large hand that gives. I'll start reading in verse 3. We'll stop in the middle of verse 4 to start with. And it says, According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises. We'll stop right there and just pick up with those promises. The promises of God are so wonderful. The, the promises of God are so great for our lives. And they are the greatest promises that you and I could ever have. They are freely given by God to us. The most valuable, the most precious promises that, that we could have, they're freely given to all, to anyone who will embrace the promises of God. God gave promises to Israel through Moses back in the day whenever he led them out of Egypt. And the Bible says of God's promises that there hath not one failed, there hath not failed one word of all his good promise. So when you think about the promises of God, they're so much different than the promises that people make and your experiences with promises in this world. God's promises are perfect and God's promises culminate in, in a verse that I like and that's in 1 John chapter 2, verse 25, which says, And this is the promise that he hath promised us, even eternal life. There's the culmination of God's promises and how wonderful you can stand on His promise that He gives eternal life. But go ahead and back up just a little bit more before verse 4 and then to verse 3. He not only gives us promises by His amazingly generous hand, He gives us an invitation. It says, He hath called us to glory and virtue. God has called you and I to a participation in, in, in the life that He has given. He has given us an opportunity to participate 
participation in a life of His standard. That's something we didn't earn. That's something we do not deserve. But when it speaks of God's glory and God's virtue, uh, this involves the majesty of God, the perfection of God, and the deity of God, and all of His excellency and His saving grace. You think of God in the just the just in the in the most regal royal sense of who our God is and he has invited us into participation of a life of his standard and that's a this is a wonderful generous thing that he's done he's given this to us his large hand of giving welcomes us to participation in his glory, he has an amazingly generous hand. It also speaks there in verse 3, as you back up a little bit, of knowledge. You know, we can go through the Bible and we can read over things and, and things will not dawn on us for maybe years and several times of reading over them. But in John chapter 15, when Jesus said, For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. That stopped me in my tracks the first time I ever read those words of Jesus that, that all things that the Father hath given Him, He has made known these things to us. We are blessed generously by our God with all the knowledge that we need. Do we know every single thing? No, we don't. But that tells me that we don't need it. We don't need what's not in this Word. This Word is complete for us, and He's completely generous with all of His knowledge for us. And then you back up to the beginning of verse 3, and we see that He gives all things according as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness. This means that God has given you and I everything we need to be able to live a godly life that is pleasing to Him. This is something we can't do on our own, but it's something that you and I can do as children of God because He's given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. We are fully equipped. We are able to live the impossible because God gives us what we need and He gives it to us not on anything to do with our level, but He gives us everything we need for a life to live pleasing to Him because He gives it to us by His divine power. Something greater than anything that you and I could come up with. God has been amazingly generous in giving us everything out of his ultimate unlimited might that we need to live the Christian life. So the large hand uh, of God that gives, he gives generously. And, and we see, we have seen his promises here. We have seen a calling that he has placed upon our lives. He gives us knowledge. He gives us all things and they are freely given by God so that we can have a life of godliness in him. But we not only see the large hand that gives, we'll pick up again in verse 4 in the middle, and we'll see that we have a large life to live. Right after those great and precious promises, it says that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, 
And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith. And, and I'm going to stop right there because we're going to break those down and we're going to list these things because you and I, we have a large life to live in the Lord. If He has a large, generous hand and He's given us everything we need, life is large for the Christian. And He has given us an abundant life. We have a large life to live because we've been made partakers of a divine nature. There was a Sunday school class, uh, the young at heart that had a Christmas party last night. It, it was quite different from Christmas parties I used to attend before I trusted Christ as my Savior. And there's a, there's a certain kind of pleasure the Bible talks about in those things. But I went to a different Christmas party last night with the people of God where we, where we prayed and we, we magnified the birth of God's Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, and, and had our focus on the reason why we were there and we were gathered with children of God and I wouldn't trade it for the Christmas parties I used to have any day. I, I, I have a new desire now that God, you know, and the reason why is because God has given me a new nature. And He's given all the children of God a divine nature. We have new desires and, and there's been a change. We have a large life to live. I prefer last night's parties to the past any day. Because of that change that the Lord makes in us. We can now we can now, with a, with a divine nature, we can love what Jesus loves and we can hate what Jesus hates. Yes, the Lord hates. In Proverbs chapter 6, it says, Six things doth the Lord hate and seven are an abomination to Him. And how wonderful it is that He takes wretched sinners and, and changes us to where we love what He loves and we hate what He hates. Wow. We've escaped the moral decay in the world. What did he say there? That we might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. We've escaped the moral decay in the world, and we have been freed from the forbidden desires of the world. Yes, there is a struggle with sin, and we'll struggle with it as long as we're in this world, but I'd rather be struggling with it than be, to be surrendered and submitted to it, and there be no fight at all, and just taken over by it. I will struggle any day with it, uh, loving the fact that, that I hate the fact that I'm a sinner, and hate the fact that I sin, and that's because of a large life that God has given us, and we see it through a divine nature that has been given to us. Our hobby is no longer sin now. It's no longer our desire. But exercising and developing and increasing our faith. Adding to our faith is what the Bible says here. And that is our hobby as children of God. Uh, we, What God has a desire to give gives us a desire to live, I hope. Because God has an amazing, generous hand and He has given to us. He's given us promises. He's given us all of those things that we've discussed. 
and we should have a desire to live this large life because of the giving from His large hand. We don't apply just enough to get by, I hope, as children of God. Just just enough to try to ease a little conviction. I hope we don't do enough just to get by, but to steadily be increasing our faith. There is a constant growing. There is a constant increasing for the child of God. And we have these things listed we can add to our faith. And the first thing we're going to see is virtue. And that is uprightness and moral character. That's important to the child of God. It's important how we represent ourselves, how we represent our Lord. And He has given us a large life of noble character and uprightness. And then we already talked about knowledge. And you see knowledge there. And He also gives us temperance. Temperance is self-control. You know, we remain under test and we remain under trials as children of God, but, but in such a way that it honors God. There's a certain wing of the hospital uh, where I met a woman several years back, and she works with, with certain people in the hospital, and, and it involves something very devastating that happens in someone's life. And she's done it for years and years. And she said, no one needs to tell me who's a Christian and who's not when this happens to a family. I can tell by the way they respond to their tragedy. And so you and I have been given temperance, a self-control, so that we can honor God even through our trials and our troubles. Temperance, self-control. As I think about that, I think about a statement someone made to me a while back for the, for the problems some can have with a common temptation, let's say the opposite sex, and he said, the problem is not when you say wow, the problem is when you say how. Think about that one for a minute. And, but, but anyway, we have, been given, we have been given this virtue and this knowledge and this temperance. But not only that, very synonymous is the next one, and that is patience. The ability to endure. You're not going to find that in the world. You're not going to find that quality outside of the people of God in such a way that gives glory to God. But we don't pray for patience, but patience does come about by our troubles, but it does give us the ability to endure. It's not in vain and it's not for anything. And, and it's a very important thing that we have the ability to endure. And then there's godliness. That is reverence for and devotion to God. He, uh, godliness is what we add to our faith. But not only that, brotherly kindness, affection toward others. That's, that's definitely something for you and I to constantly be sensitive about and, and observe ourselves and, and be yielded about. The way we treat one another, it should be with brotherly kindness. We're all of one faith, one Lord, and we serve the same God. We love each other in the Lord, and there should be constant brotherly kindness. But not only that, the last one it mentions here is charity. Charity, a God-produced love that denies oneself for the needs of others. All, and all of these graces, they overlap one another. They overlap one another and they help to perfect one another. We don't have to re really remember all of these things as we do a golf swing. 
all right? Because you take these things and and they're constantly working one toward the other to help one another. It's it's almost as if we're going to have all or none sometimes. For example, the Bible says, "Love the Lord with all your with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love thy neighbor as thyself." You have that focus down, and that's the keeping of the rest of them. Okay. And so, and so you look at these and you see godliness. When we have reverence and devotion to our God, that's, that's going to very easily overlap into the brotherly kindness and the charity that you and I are to have for others. We add these things to our faith. And this is a life of living large. And this life that's living large brings large results that assures. Let's look in verses 8. Let's just start in verse 8 here. It says, For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye should neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. These blessed graces are in us and abound and they do not permit us to be inactive as children of of God. I I underlined there in verse 8 those words, in you. If these things be in you, but not only in you, but if they abound. The farmer asked his helper, to go to take the buckets and to go fill them with grain. Fill up the buckets with grain. And the helper said, yes, sir. And the farmer says, do you know what I mean by fill up the buckets? Do you know, do you know when the bucket's full? And he said, no, sir. And he said, when it's spilling over, that's when it's full. And these things God has given to us by His generous hand, by His large hand. We have a large life to to live in the Lord that He has given to us. And these things ought to be spilling over in our lives. If you want to say, what's the normal Christian life to be like? It's to be all of these virtues constantly overflowing out of our lives to others. We're not settling for just enough to get by. It's a large life that the Lord has given us to live. Spilling over with all of these Christian attributes, all of these wonderful characteristics for us. God has given us a life to be living that that is overflowing with Christ-like characteristics. And remember, God in His divine power has given us all of these things. This should be an encouragement to you and I that what we need for the Christian life, God supplies. When we struggle with these things, it's not going to be because of God. It's going to be because of us. We can be our own worst enemy sometimes. We can hinder what God is wanting to do in us. He has largely and freely and generously given to us and we have a large life to be to be given and there are large results that that assures us in our christian life results both ways we're about to find out his divine power has given us these things and we see in verse 8 they make us that ye shall neither be barren nor 
unfruitful. And then in verse 9 it says, But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off. This is about the most sad verse for a Christian, I believe, in the Bible. Let me continue. And hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. He's writing to Christians that have, that have never applied this truth. Maybe never learned this truth. Maybe they, they, they just didn't have focus and have ears to hear this truth that we're sharing tonight of all of these blessed virtues and things that the Lord has freely given us that we can have confidence in to live out. They've never received this knowledge, therefore they cannot apply this knowledge to their lives. And he that lacketh, this lacking here, is that their lives fail to show any of these qualities. That's why I say it's this can be an all or nothing type deal. They are short-sighted and they can't see the heavenly things. Peter's writing to Christians and these Christians are short-sighted of all of the heavenly generosity that God has given for our lives. There was a couple of boys that used to play together when they were little and and they were always running in and out of the house. And one boy had an eyesight problem. And his eyesight wouldn't adjust from outdoors in the sun to indoors for about 30 seconds after he came in. And he, and he knew that and he was always expecting it. So, so as he ran in the door, he was holding on to his friend's shirt as they went through the house. And he had to be guided by him because his eyes wouldn't adjust for a while. His older brother had the same problem, and he ended up going blind. And it was expected that having that same problem, he would eventually go blind himself. And that's exactly what happened to the boy. And that's exactly what happens to Christians concerning spiritual things sometimes. It's such a dangerous thing not to live in the will of God. It's such a dangerous thing to neglect the very best, most important things that God has given us for our lives that we might grow in, that we might be protected in, that we might become strong in together. He hath forgotten, it says. What did he say? He hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. If we don't overflow with this fruit that God has, has listed here, that he's freely given our life, we'll become oblivious and forgetfulness of what God has done for us. That, that's amazing to think about. By the grace of God, I'm so glad I haven't been there. But obviously, since he's writing to Christians, these are cr- some Christians that have forgotten the miraculous work of the amazing cleansing from sin that God does for His children when He saves them by the blood of Jesus Christ. They've become oblivious to it and sidetracked by Satan in this world. Let's not be like verse 9. Verse 10 changes things though. 
Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fall. We need to be diligent Christians with an urgency and with an eagerness for the freely given things that God has given us so that we can live large in this world. I tell you what, you could try to offer me all, all, the, all the money you wanted or, or all the power and status you want, but none of us could live as large as what we can live in the virtues and attributes of God that He has freely given to our lives. There's so many things that people passionately pursue in lives that, in their lives that are of no eternal value and, and just as much more spiritual energy ought to be invested in the things that God has given us that are for eternity, that bless our lives, that help all of our lives. We're to live large, but not in the world, in the Lord. And there's a guarantee that comes along with this. There's a blessed assurance that we know that we know we've answered the call of God. That we have not only answered the call of God, our our calling is confirmed, but our sanctification will keep us from stumbling. Sanctification, as in God setting you and I apart for His service to live for Him and to serve Him, sanctified. For His glory. He says, if you do these things, you shall never fall. You've probably heard that Billy Sunday, uh, evangelist, baseball player, you've heard his remedy for backsliding. Spend 15 minutes talking to God a day. Uh, spend 15 minutes reading His Word. Or, or in other words, God talking to you, and then spend 15 minutes telling someone about God per day. That's, that's a pretty good strategy. That's a pretty good remedy for uh, not backsliding for the Christian. But we see it right here in God's Word, saying, as He says, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you shall never fall. That word, of course, it doesn't mean fall from salvation. You can't do that. That word fall means stumbling. It's, it, it keeps the Christian from stumbling. We walk in a place of safety whenever we are diligent in eagerly pursuing the, the, the most generous things that God has done and given to you and I. You know, and you look at verse 9 where they have, they have just forgotten and they're in a bad situation. And then you look in verse 10 of those making their calling and election sure. In whichever way it is, it's going to show. It's going to show in our lives whichever direction the Christian goes. I haven't heard this saying in a long time, but I'll, I'll close with it. And I, I've heard a lot of older preachers from long ago, and they'll ask the question, Have you, if you were indicted as being a Christian would there be enough evidence to prove you're guilty? We can make our calling and election sure. We can add to our faith 
this virtue, this knowledge, all of these blessed, freely given benefits and strengths for our Christian life that God has given us. It's a dangerous thing for you and I not to partake in what God has, has given us because it's, it's doomed the other direction. I can't imagine being called blind as a Christian, but it could happen to any of us. And it could happen to all of us. I don't know if we appreciate the maintenance that the Word of God does upon our lives all the time. But I know we couldn't do without it and we couldn't live without it. Well, let us go to the Lord and another word of prayer. And I'll turn it over to you for, for singing and giving prayer requests and praise report. Let us pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I, I do thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for the word that you gave through Peter, dear God. And Lord, that it might instruct us that it might line us out and direct us in our Christian life, Father. Dear God, that we would partake in all of the things that that you have made us blessed inheritors of, Lord. That we would grow stronger in you. That we would not forget our, our focus and our purpose. It is not us and our own desires. It is you and your glory and what you have for our lives. Dear God, just magnify yourself tonight. Just bless the children of God here. Strengthen them and help them. And help me as only you can, Father. We give you all the praise for it in Jesus' name. Amen.